want you to think this morning about comedy. Jesus is a comedian of sorts in our text. That might not be the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Jesus. It's probably not even the second or third thing. But there is a comedy to the scriptures. I don't mean he's a comedian like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld or even Norm MacDonald. Those guys are funny. Jesus isn't funny ha-ha like that. But Jesus does, Jesus does bring good humor into the world. And so it's not a stretch to say that he is a comedian of sorts, but he's a different kind of comedian than what we usually think of. Because when Jesus tells his joke in our text this morning, it's not the kind of joke that makes you laugh things away and treat things lightly. That's usually what jokes do for us, right? They lift our spirits to think of less serious things. Jesus is just the other kind of a comedian. He tells this joke of sorts, not to get us to treat things lightly, but to get us to take things more seriously. And paradoxically, when Jesus takes things most seriously, he is at his funniest. Now, maybe I've lost you. So just think of how comedy works. There's a lot that goes into a good joke, right? Dads know this. Little kids don't. Little kids don't understand just what it takes to put together a good dad joke. First, you have to know the joke, right? You have to have internalized it. Then you have to build up to the punchline, right? And perhaps most important of all, what little children fail to understand the most about comedy is timing, right? Little kids don't understand comedic timing. They want to jump right to the punchline. They know this is a funny joke. Last time I told it, everybody laughed. So I want to get to the part where everybody laughs. And so they often don't wait, do they? They often don't let the joke kind of build, and then they spoil it because their timing is all off. They tell the punchline, sure, but if you screw up the timing, well, everything falls apart. You might laugh along with your kids because, well, it's good to laugh with your kids, but a good comedian, a true comedian, knows how to deliver the punchline at just the right moment. Now, think of Jesus as a comedian in our text, telling the punchline too quickly. That's what he does. Here comes this paralyzed man. His friends have labored all day to get him there. Think of the journey they must have undertaken. We know from the Gospel of Mark that not only did they have to carry their friend to Jesus, but that house was so crowded full, remember this story, that they had to cut a hole in the roof to get their buddy down to Jesus' feet. And so Jesus sees this great faith. He, see, he comes to his own hometown, right? You can feel the excitement of Jesus. He's excited. There's finally people who trust in him, who are bringing their problems to him. And so he jumps right to the punchline. My son, be of good cheer, he says. Your sins are forgiven. To which the whole room says, I don't get it. When a joke flubs... When a joke doesn't land, the room goes quiet, doesn't it? It's kind of like preaching a sermon sometimes. You look out and you think, oh, this is great, this is good stuff, and everybody's just staring back at me like this. What's he talking about? That's what happened that day on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus comes to his own hometown and he has this wonderful message, not a joke, right, that makes people take things lightly, but he has this wonderful message of good news. My son, be of good cheer. Jesus can barely contain himself. Your sins are forgiven. 
And everybody says, that's not the problem. Jesus tells the joke that should bring light and joy. Jesus, as the divine comedian, tells the punchline. He gives the wonderful message, this beautiful verdict. Your sins are forgiven. And they just sat there staring at him like you all are staring at me. Bunch of Lutherans. That's who Jesus was dealing with. But can you blame them? I mean, sometimes the fault is in the one who's telling the joke, right? We shouldn't probably attribute fault to Jesus. I might spoil a joke and you might spoil a joke, but Jesus knows what he's doing. And so when he jumps right to the punchline, if you will, he's doing it for a reason. The trouble is, the trouble is that they can't keep up with him. The trouble is that they fail to see the good humor because they are too slow. They can't keep up with Jesus. Their minds aren't attuned to things like they should be. And it's the same problem that we have. Because Jesus still says this message to each and every one of us. Your sins are forgiven. And just like it did then, that message still kind of rings hollow. Uh, okay. Think of what Jesus is saying to this man. Your sins are forgiven. Why doesn't he start with what's more obvious? Why doesn't he deal with the guy's problem? Surely you could put yourself in the shoes of that paralytic man. You could imagine what he's thinking. Jesus, uh, this is the wrong message for today. Here I am. I can't walk. Here I am carried by my friends. We've been working all day long and this is how you start? Surely the man was expecting a different message. He was expecting something that would, you know, be more, I don't know, appropriate to the situation. And yet Jesus tells him better news than he could have possibly hoped for. Now we don't get that, do we? We are like little kids listening to a joke that we know, okay, I know somehow this is good news, but I'm not quite sure. And our trouble is different than the Pharisees. You heard what the Pharisees had with Jesus. The trouble they had was this. How can this man forgive sins? He's not God. Of course, they were right in a sense that only God can forgive sins. But they missed the whole point that that's exactly who Jesus is. Our trouble is a little bit different, isn't it? Our trouble with hearing that news that your sins are forgiven and not exploding with laughter, not exploding with joy and happiness, is that we don't really sense that that's the problem. We're very much like the paralyzed man and his friends. Oh, sure, we've got problems, but sin? Well, that's kind of a minor annoyance. There's bigger problems, right, Jesus? There's bigger issues to deal with in my family. There's bigger issues to deal with in our country. There's bigger issues to deal with all over the place. What's this business about forgiveness of sins? See, we think wrong about sin, don't we? We think sin is just a couple of little, you know, blips on the radar screen. Oh, I said the wrong thing to my friend on Monday. And yeah, I had that bad thought on Tuesday afternoon. And yeah, there was that thing on Thursday night when no one else was around. But those are just little minor issues. Sin is much deeper than that. Sin is much more like paralysis. The whole world is paralyzed by sin, including our own thinking. All of our thoughts, all of our words, all of our actions are tainted by sin. We are very much like the paralyzed man, even though our legs work. Just think of how our desires are screwed up. Just think of how our thoughts about ourselves, about one another, about the world around us are clouded by sin. We can't seem to see things straight. Why is that? It's because sin hangs over us. Sin is not just one mistake that I make, 
but it is a reality in which I live. And so when Jesus comes and he says to that man, your sins are forgiven, he isn't just saying, you know how guilty you feel about that thing you did on Monday? It's absolved. What he's saying to the man is all of the things that trouble you, all of the things that haunt you, all of the curse that hangs over this world in which you live, I have come to take it all away. Your sins, hear this, in all of its glory, your sins are forgiven. And yet the man still probably thought, okay, but so what? (laughs) See, if we make little of sin, if we think that there are other problems that are bigger, social justice problems, if we think that there are other problems that are bigger, economic problems, if we think there are other problems that are bigger than the sin problem, then we will think very little of Jesus. We will hear this message of forgiveness that he has come to accomplish and we'll think, well, okay, but let's get on to the bigger and better things. And sadly, many people are misled by just this kind of thinking. They are misled and all of their energy and all of their life and all of their power is put into something else. Something other than forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Something other than the gospel of that good news. Just think of how people spend their lives. Just think of how people spend their energy. Just think of how they spend their money. And we aren't exactly immune from this kind of thinking ourselves, are we? Today, Jesus calls us back and says, hear again this good news. Hear again this message and take it to heart. Your sins are forgiven. And then he does, you know, what the guy probably wanted him to do the whole time. He says to the man, take up your mat and go and walk. But he does that. He does that not to do something better than the forgiveness of sins, but he does that miracle so that everyone may know, including you, that he has the authority to actually do the better thing. Can you believe that? Can you believe that there is something better than being healed from paralysis? Can you believe that there is something better than having your finances work out just right? Can you believe that there is something better than living in a world where everything is so-so and normal? Jesus has come to do far more than we possibly think or imagine. He has come to bring God's divine comedy to its fitting conclusion, to bring all things to their proper end. And so he speaks this wonderful message still to you. Your sins are forgiven. Not just the minor annoyances, not just the little things that you struggle with again and again and again, but someday the sin of the whole world will be taken away and you will live in that reality. You will live in the reality of the forgiveness of sins. See, if we make too little of sin, that message rings hollow. And if we make too little of forgiveness, that message rings hollow too. We might hear that and think, well, of course our sins are forgiven, Jesus. That's just what you're supposed to do. But think of the price that comes with those words. Think of what it costs Jesus to say that. It costs him his own life. Forgiveness is not some kind of a cheap thing for our Lord Jesus, and he knows it. And yet he is eager to proclaim this message to all who believe your sins are forgiven. Take sin seriously, but take the forgiveness of sins even more seriously and you will have this good cheer. You will have this good message living within you. Because the forgiveness of sins is better than a joke. It's not just a theory, but it is a reality to live in. See, what happens when you explain a joke? 
Right? When I try to explain to my kids why this or that thing is funny, it kind of loses its humor, doesn't it? Well, the forgiveness of, of sins is not a theory. It's not something to explain and to mentally understand, although you can understand it. The forgiveness of sins is a reality in which we live, in which we stand. And so Christ doesn't explain it all to us, but he causes it to be proclaimed again and again and again. And he gives it to us to be experienced in the sacraments of the church. He still authorizes this message to go out so that you may hear again and again and experience it for yourself that the good news is for you. Your sins are forgiven, Jesus says to you today. Rejoice and be glad. Let that laughter bubble up in your heart. Let that joy well up in your life. And if you didn't get it the first time, if you didn't hear it when it was proclaimed to you, then taste and see his body given for you, his blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And here's the wonderful thing. Here's the supremely good thing. As great as that message is, As wonderful as that promise is, the day is coming when we will see it with our own eyes. Now we have to believe it. Now we have to hear his word and say, yes, amen, Lord Jesus, that's true. My sins are forgiven. But when Jesus says something, when Jesus makes a promise, it actually happens. When Jesus tells a joke, it actually comes true. So when he says your sins are forgiven, the day is coming when that really will be the case. When you will no longer remember your sins and there will be no sin in our world. When our Lord Jesus comes again, then the divine comedy will be completed. And then, then we will really laugh. Up till now we haven't laughed, not like we should. Up till now we haven't had good cheer, not like we should. But the day is coming, dear friends, when you will laugh with great joy. The day is coming when you will laugh when sin is no longer a thing in your life, a thing that divides us one from another. The day is coming, if you can believe it, when what Jesus said to that man long ago, your sins are forgiven, will be the reality in which we live. For now we walk by faith, but then, then we will walk by sight. And we might, we just might, even laugh. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.